today, guys. I'm back here live in the studio with once again for an episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Um, Happy New Year, everybody, from your host, Thomas Penland. Today, Tuesday, January 5th, first episode of 2021. I am joined once again by Ben Gorwitz. Ben, say what's up to everybody. Yeah, first time in 2021. Happy New Year, everyone. Hey, we're glad to be back. Glad to talk to y'all again this year. Y'all know Ben's hyped up off Alabama's big win going to the national championship game. But before we talk about any of that stuff, we got to start things out here with NFL Week 17. Um, first off, Ben, I kind of want to give a shout out to our Falcons for tanking that one out perfectly. <laughs> um, no sweat in us at all. Get wrapping up the number four overall pick. I'm very stoked about that. You know, typical years in the past, the Falcons will be like three and ten or whatever and then we'll win out the rest of our games or we'll be three and nine and we'll finish out the season seven and nine this time not so much gotta love that that we have a top pick um ben do you think this is the last it was that was the last time we ever see matt and julio together in falcons uniforms i still think they're gonna get one more year together um i think um as we like to call him in atlanta uncle arthur the owner arthur blank i think he <laughs> meant what he said when um you know, Julio, when Julio was expressing he wants to be a Falcon for life, uh, as well as I think uh, Arthur Blank said that. I think he means it. I think he's a guy that means what he says. Um, I think they're going to get a year together. Um, I think it'll be easier for the organization to move on from Matt Ryan than it would be to Julio. He's just such a generational talent. Um, but I, I think that if you're going to get rid of one, you need to get rid of the other. So I do think they get one more year. I think they're going to give them a fresh chance with a new coach, new GM, and new offensive coordinator calling plays um, for those two and see, see what they can do for one more year. I think Matt Ryan has definitely proven that he's not the problem. Um, I think he's – I mean, he went toe-to-toe in the final weeks with uh, Tom Brady. Um, uh, Mahomes, uh, yeah, Mahomes played that game against Mahomes. Mm-hmm. He outdueled Mahomes in that game, so I, it, he's not the problem. Yeah, Ben, you know, I know you've seen my tweets and everything. Matt Ryan is not the problem in Atlanta, guys. Um, just to go ahead and back that even more, and to back my guy Matt Ryan. Um, Matt Ryan is the only quarterback that's active currently in the NFL with ten straight seasons of passing for over four thousand yards. I mean, you can say what you want to about him passing and garbage time and whatnot, but, I mean, Matt Ryan's been doing it for us for a long time, guys. He's never once been the problem, like you said. I mean, I believe he was top five this season in passing yards. Um, he, he does his job on offense. I mean, we've been one of the top scoring offenses every single year, pretty much. He's only had one year with a top 10 defense in his tenure in Atlanta. Um, you know, it really depends on who the head coach and the GM ends up becoming of our team. But I'm just going to say this, Ben. I think we need to wait until after we kind of do our pre-draft evaluations of these guys before we jump to any conclusions. If we're going to go ahead and draft a quarterback, and I pray to God we don't draft Zach Wilson, um, then I think it's time to go ahead and move on from Matt and Julio and send them on, get, some, get some, a lot of value in return from them. If we want to go ahead and tank it out and maybe wait for a quarterback in next year's draft, Go ahead and get rid of him. At the end of the day, though, I kind of agree with you. I mean, Matt and Julio have done so much for Atlanta. I mean, one could argue they probably led us to the best years the Falcons have ever had in their entire franchise history. I mean, it's it's hard for me as a diehard Falcons fan to want to move on from these guys and move them. But at the same time, I feel like if you can get first-round picks in return, it's the right move. I mean, they take up so much of our cap space. Our defense has been so bad for so long. Maybe it might be time to get in that rookie quarterback and go ahead and work on the defense. 
You're not getting a first round pick from Matt Ryan. I'll tell you that. Not at his age. Not at his age, and not at that contract. No way. You don't now, think I'm that not... San Francisco? I mean, they they had two first round picks last year. You don't think San Francisco would be willing to give up that first round pick to get Matt Ryan? Maybe we eat a little Jimmy G's salary on the other end. I mean, it depends on what the other ends of the trade looks like. But I, I think if Matt Ryan's the main piece and Julio's not in the deal, I, I, I don't think you give up a first-round pick for a quarterback that's going to be 36 by the time the season starts. And you can make it – I mean, listen, I, we think he's a top-10 quarterback. I would say he's towards the back end of that. But you could easily make an argument that he's outside the top-10 at this point. So, um, you, I mean, you could. In terms of just quarterback play um, – I think there's teams that would rather have a guy like Matthew Stafford than Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's been more of a winner, but Matt Stafford is also a great quarterback. He's just been stuck in Detroit this whole time. So it just kind of depends the way you look on it. I, I'd be shocked. Matt Ryan himself could get a first-round pick, but it's just especially with the contract. Maybe you eat some contract the other way. But, uh, I mean, they're going to have to draft a quarterback at some point this year, mm-hmm. don't you think? Because who is the third string? He's been there for years now. Never played, but oh, uh, Benkert Christian from uh, I think he's from he like Virginia really, or Duke, it, one of those two. So Matt Schaub's retiring. Not that he, I mean, Matt Ryan plays pretty much every game, but you need a backup quarterback. So if they don't want this guy to be the backup, then they're gonna have to draft somebody. So um, I'm not opposed to the idea of drafting somebody and you know sitting him for a year, let Matt kind of mentor him. If Matt's willing to do that, I'm sure he is, but. Just kind of depends on the whole mindset. They they got to get a GM first, then they got to get a coach, then they can worry about the draft. Uh, you can't worry about the draft and who you're going to get as a replacement quarterback until you have a GM to pick that spot. Yeah, call me crazy, but I don't hate like getting if Brock Purdy goes out, getting him maybe like third or fourth round, or getting like Kyle Trask's late. I'd probably want Trask in the third round. I don't hate trying to get one of those guys. See what they have if we choose to stick with. Matt and Hulu, but at the end of the day, we can sit here and speculate until the Falcons hire a coach and GM. We don't really know what's going to happen. Also, please let the coach be Joe Brady. That's all I want is just to get Joe Brady. I just want the Falcons to do what I want one time in my lifetime. Um, anyway, I mean, Dan, it was a pretty wild week 17. It was a lot of fun. I love how they kind of grouped all like the games that mattered with each other. So every single team would have something to play for. It made for a really exciting, to be honest with you, I napped through most of the one o'clock hour and four o'clock though. I was ready to rock. Um, look, I want to start out with four o'clock, but at the same time, I think we have to go to the biggest storyline that came from NFL Sunday. Ben, what the hell was Doug Peterson doing? Taking out, <laughs> taking out Jalen Hurts for, um, the kid from Indiana. Sudfield. Sudfield. Yeah, from Sudfield. I mean, I, I the funniest it. part about it was I was waiting for, for, uh, Al Michaels and Chris Collingsworth to kind of just tee off on Doug Peterson. It's kind of like they waited until the two minute warning and then they were all right. They were like, F this. They just kind of went off on him a little bit. Apparently players wanted to fight him. Apparently Jason Kelsey called him out. The rumor today was now that they were kind of called that the call came from up above from their GM. He was the one who told them to, to, um, switch out quarterbacks there. Look, I, I don't hate the hate the tank call by the Eagles, but I just thought it was stupid. I mean, if you want to see what Jalen Hurts is made of and you have so many question marks to the quarterback decision, see if he can win you a big game. I mean, that was arguably the biggest game of Jalen Hurts' career. See if he can pull that one out. I thought it was stupid, but I also want to say this, too. I think things are starting to unravel here in Philadelphia. I think it's time to go ahead and blow everything up. I feel like that 
They got too complacent. They got with the all oh, football is all about having fun. They win one Super Bowl. Every single person on that team is a prophet and an author and this, that, and the other. I think the Eagles talked a little too much, and it's time to go ahead and blow things up in Philly. I have no explanation. I wish I did for what Doug Peterson was even thinking. Um, you could see Jalen on the sideline. There was a video that came out where he was like, this isn't fair. And it's not. I mean, what what was the point of drafting him in the second round, I believe he went in? Um, mm-hmm. Their second pick of the draft that they had. What's the point of drafting him if, I mean, if you just have no interest in seeing what he's got? And I get that he wasn't throwing the ball very effectively. I think he was 7 of 20 maybe in the game with an interception. But he did have two rushing touchdowns in the game, and the, and the score also should have been 17-17 if Doug Peterson wasn't an idiot and could do math. It was 17-14. Mm-hmm. He goes for it. Just kick the field goal. Tie the game up. Like, who cares? It's, it's a tie game. So when Jalen was taken out of the game, it should have been 17-17. Um, even after taking him out, the first drive, like one of the first plays was a fumble. Uh, Sudfield couldn't even get the snap. So, I mean, second possession, he comes back in, which everyone's kind of scratching their head. He turns the ball over again. He turned the ball over twice in five plays and then still gets sent out there for a third possession, which means they, to me, it's just they don't care about Jalen. They don't care about his progression. They don't care about what he can do for the team. I mean, listen, if you look at I believe Jalen played three games. I think his record was one and two. So, the odds are he loses the game, even if you play him. He's lost two out of the three already. So mm-hmm. I don't. I really don't understand the thought process around this. Um, you know, unfortunately for guys, legends of Philly like Zach Ertz, it's probably his last game in Philly. Um, I think he kind of took it hard. He, apparently, he didn't leave the field or the facility until one a.m. Um, so I mean, listen, you, you were right. There were reports about people had to be held or. Players had to be held back from going at Doug Peters in the locker room. Like, I get the whole tanking situation if you're, you know, high up, if you're the GM, um, you know, the owner of the team. I get that. You, you, your job is to look for, into the future, what's best for this team. And, you know, uh, people think a draft pick is that. But if you're a player and you're a coach, tanking should not be on your mind because we see it every single year. The worst teams in the league who maybe aren't even tanking, they're just that bad, but their coaches always get fired. Always. If the Chargers were that bad, or maybe they were just tanking this year when their injuries got to happen, sorry, Anthony Lynn, you're fired. Gase, fired, right? Falcons, fired. Like, so I don't know what Doug Peterson's doing. I don't. I mean, I, I have no explanation for him. I don't understand it at all. Um, I'd be shocked if Nate, Nate Sutfield was even, if he wasn't even surprised. Or he must, he must, he must have been so surprised when he was told to go in this game. Like, he's like, why am I going in this game? Like, I can't win this game. He knows he's not good enough. He's a third-string quarterback in the NFL. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, made absolutely no sense. That's definitely a puzzling one that we'll never know about for the ages. You know what I would love to see, though, is the NFL make a little Giants-Eagles action, the week one matchup for both these teams, just a little... Giants get a little hate out, but at the same time, Giants fans, stop complaining. Y'all had no business being in the playoffs at 6-10 and 10 either, so I don't even want to hear any of that. Um, kind of another question here, Ben, from that Giants-Cowboys game. First off, Andy Dalton is an absolute idiot. I know it was third down. <laughs> He's trying to make something happen, but I mean, that pass had no chance of getting caught, but 
I mean, am I crazy saying this? Did Wayne Gallman not fumble that ball? I mean, I don't still don't understand how that was a recovery by him. So, there's a new rule apparently that just went in the NFL. It's called the ball possession, and it means when your nutsack is on the ball, apparently that counts <laughs> as possession because that's the only possession that um, Goldman had on the ball. He was literally squatting on the football. Um, I mean, his hand was on it, but he was literally it was on his nuts. So I guess that's possession according to the NFL refs of that game. Um, I don't think it's possession necessarily. I don't think it's secured possession at least. Um, I didn't understand the call, but it was it was definitely a fumble. I mean, I don't even know how he fumbled. He broke the tackle. Just go down. Just go down. But uh, I don't understand that possession call either. Yeah, my roommate's a huge Cowboys fan. He was jumping up and down going crazy. Unfortunately for him, though, it was not actually a fumble, according to the referees. I mean, I was very confused like that. I was like, I'm not even going to try to understand what the referees are pulling out right now. None of these rules make sense anymore these days. They make up new ones. feels like week by week. Um, I still don't know what is a catch and what's not in some circumstances. <laughs> Hey, it, it just depends on which crew it is and what day it is and who what team it is. I mean, it, it varies team by team. Trust me, none of that will ever make any sense to me either. Um, ben, I think that there is a huge question that needs to be answered here. Should – I mean, obviously he didn't get fired, but should Cliff Kingsbury be fired for the way that this Cardinals team finished out the season? No. Um, I think you can make reasons for it, sure, but – I don't think he should be fired. Um, definitely a disappointing second half of the season. But I think Kyler's injury um, is not to blame the coach. Um, him getting – he's really – like I watch a decent amount of Cardinals games. He takes Same. no big hits. And the one big-ish hit that I saw him take, he got injured on. It was the play where he was uh, – I think he was even throwing it away or maybe he completed it in the defensive lineman who – weighs a lot i don't remember who it was but they all weigh a lot and kyler's not the biggest guy kind of fell on kyler's shoulder and all of a sudden he's hurt so listen he's he's gonna have to figure out either i can never take a hit for as long as i play quarterback or i have to figure out ways to get hit and be able to contribute to my team because when he finished that game i mean wincing on every throw i mean i don't think you can do much with a hurt quarterback. I mean, you're not going to play the backup. The backup's not going to be better than Kyler Murray. So I, I think the downfall was really just, you know, Kyler just getting hurt. The offense, I know that Kingsbury's an offensive guy, but the offense really started to slow down. If you look at DeAndre Hopkins' numbers, it was really not a challenge for corners to cover when Kyler Murray couldn't play in games. I mean, his numbers did go down. Um, I don't think Kingsbury – Cliff Kingsbury is to blame right now. Um, but I think his hot seat is getting warmer, but not yet. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, we both said at the beginning of the season with the Cardinals, we thought they were still a year away from making the playoffs. Obviously, they were overachieving as the season went on. Um, they also played without their best, best pass rusher, Christian Jones, the majority of the season. But, you know, I'm going to agree with you, Ben. I think it's more so just Kyler Murray being injured and banged up. Um 
I really think his legs was a, was a big part of what they did. And, you know, he had that leg injury, too, in that last game to go along with the shoulder. And I just really think he was never able to bounce back from all his injuries. And like you said, it pretty much made DeAndre Hopkins useless. I mean, whoever their second-string quarterback was, I can't even remember his name, but he's the guy from uh, South Dakota State or South Dakota or whatever it is he played. I think like, he played in the Canadian League, right? Yep. He was like the MVP of the Canadian League. I mean, he clearly was not an NFL quarterback, but, I mean, it's also not easy for a guy like that to go up against a defense like the Rams. I mean, that's like your worst nightmare, getting thrown into the mix against them. Um, but, yeah, I think I honestly think that they made the right decision taking Kyler out. At that point, I mean, you really got to say, look, if we can win the Super Bowl, I think you have to play Kyler Murray in that game. They don't have any chance at winning the Super Bowl. And, I mean, realistically, it's probably not the best thing for Kyler Murray to have play, if he were to win that game to play this upcoming week. You know, I mean, he's the he's the future of your franchise. You got to keep him safe and healthy. I think that, if anything, we'll see him run the ball less at the beginning of the seasons, and they'll try to get him to run the ball only more so in big games or in bigger time, like in the fourth quarter and stuff. I think Kyler's got to be smarter, you know, man. It's tough for these tough for these runners like that to stay healthy. Well, he's very he's very good at sliding. I mean, he's got a baseball background, as I'm sure most people know. Um, he does slide very, very well, and he just kind of scampers around people. But in terms of like, I mean, every quarterback's going to take sacks. He just needs to figure out ways. I mean, listen, he unfortunately for him, not really unfortunately because I'm a small guy, but like he he's not going to grow at this point in his life. <laughs> he's not getting bigger. So when you're that small, you have to find ways to get craftier. You're gonna get sacked big guys are going to fall on top of you with their weight the rules can only protect you so much he just needs to he, he's got to figure it out maybe land to the side i don't know I, I i've never played quarterback but i just know that you can't take a cut like one big hit in the game and just your shoulder just collapse on you you, you got to be a little tougher in that for your team in the moments they need you and i know that he really i mean the fact that he barely played in that game against the rams pretty much should tell people that he legit could not throw the football. It hurts to throw the football. So I get it because they needed to win that game and they had to play this backup quarterback. So he, he's he's their only chance to win. They don't have another quarterback to go to. They don't. It's him or they're going to lose. Yeah, hey, I agree with you completely on all that, Ben. Kyler's got to stay healthy. He's got to get a little more crafty, like you said. I think that's the biggest thing. You just got to get more crafty with it. Um Ben, this, I know this is a storyline that you're going to really want to talk about here. Do you not agree with me that it's absolutely absurd all these people throwing shade at Tua for his performance at the end of the season? I mean, people got to remember, Tua's a rookie quarterback. You can say, oh, look at Herbert, look at Burrow. I mean, these guys have, like, Keenan Allen. They have Eckler. They have Hunter Henry. They have um, uh, they have AJ, AJ Green. Green. I mean, Joe Mixon. Like, all these offenses have weapons. Tua was playing the majority of these games – Without his starting running back, Miles Gaskin, without Jacecki, without Devontae Parker. I mean, he was throwing to Lynn Bowden, who was playing quarterback a year before, and this is his number one receiver in some of these games. I mean, Tua was a rookie. He was thrown into the fire midseason. I mean, I thought Tua played well, obviously. I mean, I've seen rookie quarterbacks play better, but I think he showed a lot of signs to look better as this, as things keep going and going. I mean, not all these rookie quarterbacks step in there and are in our the same skill level as Peyton Manning the first time they play. It's like they have these unrealistic expectations for these quarterbacks. Now everyone wants to say Tua's garbage. Tua shouldn't be starting quarterback next year for the Dolphins. They should use the third pick on a quarterback and trade Tua. I mean, Ben, don't you agree that all that is just ridiculous? Yeah, and I think it's just kind of um, a response just to how people view sports nowadays. People want instant success, instant um, gratification, instant, you know, they, they want every, they want to win right away. 
And I think that if you ask any Dolphins fan to start this year, uh, expectations, not for Tua, but for the team, I don't think you find many of them saying that we're going to compete to win the division or even make the playoffs. Um, I think there is, I think they would say that, yeah, like we can compete for a playoff spot, but they will not say the words we are expecting to make the playoffs. Um, I think people, I mean, that's just how people are. Like I said, people want everyone to be good right away. Herbert and Burrow, uh, I'll go with Burrow first. Before Burrow, uh, unfortunately, got injured, showed a lot of promise. For a, for a team that was expected to be bad, and they were bad with Burrow, he shined. Put up good numbers. He put the team in chances uh, to win, and the team's just not good enough to close in on those games right now. Um, he unfortunately got hurt. Hopefully he can get back to the NFL soon. With Herbert, it's he showed a lot of things. I think surprised a lot of people. I, I don't think you and I were the only ones that weren't that high on, on Herbert. Um, I think we all kind of saw a guy with a big body NFL frame that people like to talk about, big arm, a dude that can have success but didn't ultimately show everything that he has shown in the NFL like he did in college. Um, so I think his expectations were better than people thought. And so since Tua was the third guy um, – you know, that got drafted early, he was the last one to start. Herbert had already been starting. Burrow had already been starting. People thought Tua, who a lot of people thought Tua was the best one in that draft class. I did. Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm saying you're not the only one. I mean, I'll, I would say almost everyone thought Tua was better than Justin Herbert, I would say. Mm -hmm. I'd say about 90% of the people you asked. So the fact that he was the third guy to actually come in and start and the other two were having, I think people thought, hey, the Dolphins are a better team. That defense is better uh, than what the Chargers are helping Herbert out with and what the Bengals are helping. So I think they thought if he can play like these other rookie quarterbacks, then they're going to make the playoffs. They were winning, you know, this and that, and that's just not how it turned out. At the same time, two is not the only one that did not show up in the must-win game against the Bills. W where was that defense? The defense gave up a million points. So I, I don't think it's fair to blame all, all on Tua. Um, I I wouldn't draft a quarterback at number third at the number three pick. I think they have from the Texans, yeah. but uh, that's just me. I think I think he deserves to get more chances than about a little less than half a season. Yeah, I mean, I, if anything, I would just bring back Fix Magic and run with him and Tua again, like they did this season. I think you got to give Tua more time. Um, you know, I thought Anthony Lynn did a good job of juggling between these two quarterbacks by letting Tua stay as the starter. You know, and if Flores. They're, they're, what or yeah, Flores, not Anthony Lynn. We'll talk about Anthony Lynn here in a little bit, but yeah, you know, I thought I definitely thought though that he did a good job of juggling everything between the two of those. If if I could go up to Justin Herbert and apologize to him, I would for saying he was going to be a bust. But also too, I'd love to hear Justin Herbert talk about how that he was able to be so much better than he was at Oregon in the pros. I mean, that made no sense to me whatsoever how he was that much better. Um, another big storyline that I love from Sunday is. Call me crazy, but I think Wolford should start on Sunday for the or I don't remember if they play Saturday or Sunday, but he should start this week in the wild card for the Rams. Look, he's more athletic than Jared Goff. He ran the ball pretty well in that game. He can make the exact same throws that Jared Goff does. I mean, Cooper Cup wasn't even playing, and he still threw for over 230 yards in the game. I thought he added an extra dimension with his legs. I thought that Sean McVay was able to scheme well for him. I mean... Jared Goff turns the ball over a lot and is already not that great of a quarterback without the thumb injury. With the thumb injury, it's not like he can be any better. I don't think Wolford could do any worse than Jared Goff's going to be able to do on Sunday. I think the Rams would be foolish not to play him. I liked what I saw from him on Sunday. He's a gunslinger. I mean, it's no, no denying that 
what he was able to do on Sunday was, you know, pretty impressive. Um, but you can't do it. If Jared Goff is healthy enough to play, you if he's cleared by doctors to play, you, you have to start him. You're just simply paying him way too much money um, to not even think about starting, to, to start someone else over him. I mean, if you even have the thought process of if Jared Goff is healthy enough to play and I'm going to play my backup quarterback over him, yet I'm paying him this much, then why is he even on your team? Um, you're, you're not paying Jared Goff this much money to start on the bench when he's healthy enough to play and come save the day uh, if need be. Uh, you don't pay a quarterback that much money. You don't call some of your franchise. So you have to start Goff if he's healthy enough to play. If he's if he's not healthy enough to play, then he shouldn't even be dressed out because if he's dressed out, he's playing. Yeah, um, I just feel like, though, that Wolford puts you in a little bit better of a position to win. I don't disagree with you, though, when you're paying all that money to Jared Goff. you got to play him. I just feel like Goff with the injured thumb, it's not – I mean, at the same time, it's not like Goff can be worse than he already is. But I just feel like you got to ride the hot hand, man. I feel like this team can rally around him and play better. Um, last two kind of storylines I have from Week 17. You can also bring more up if you, if you feel like I forgot anything here. Um, do you think that it was right of the Chargers to fire Anthony Lynn after winning four in a row to close out the season? As a Falcon fan, I think the answer is pretty easy to say yes. Um, I don't think so – I think winning at the end of the season when you're already eliminated from the playoffs, um, I don't think it's a negative thing. I think it's a positive in the fact that your team is fighting for you. Um, you know, as soon as you do get eliminated – when the playoffs, I think every single coach um, is kind of on the hot seat. No organization likes to miss the playoffs, especially when you miss the playoffs as, as often as that kind of franchise does. Mm-hmm. I think they blew way too many close games in the beginning of the year for his job to be saved. Um, I don't know if that's fair. If your question is, is it fair to fire him? I don't know. Life's not fair. Um, I think... I think the general manager and the owner maybe should have had – I think Herbert's definitely their franchise quarterback. I think you had your captains in a meeting and say, hey, do you like the direction that Anthony Lynn was leading this team, and can we make the playoffs under his direction? If the answer is yes, then you keep him because your job is to make the players happy so that they can – the happier you are, the better you're going to play. I believe in that. At the end of the day, he lost too many close games. The Chargers lost way too many close games. I know that they were so injured on the defense. I mean, he was really losing, like, all of his best defensive players. I know it's not fair to fire a coach for that reason, but I'm not shocked he was fired. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm not shocked at all he was fired. And like you said, you hit the nail on the head, man. As a Falcons fan, you got to fire him. I mean, who cares what he does when you're eliminated from the playoffs? At the end of the day, Anthony Lynn crumbled in all the close games when you needed to win. Um, I think the biggest thing that separates coaches from each other is how you do in close games. And Anthony Lynn did not get the job done in close games when they mattered. Therefore, I thought he deserved to be fired. Yeah, he was well-liked and all that. I mean, it's the same Dan Quinn story. You can be well-liked and all yeah. that. At the end of the day, if you're not winning games, who cares if you're well-liked? you got to win games and do what's best for the franchise. thought it was the right move to move on, and now it gives you a chance to bring in some sort of offensive guru to work with Justin Herbert. Um, I can't remember his name specifically, but I actually think the offensive coordinator from the Bills would be a great hire. I think Justin Herbert resembles Josh Brian Allen. Dabble. Brian yeah. Dabble. Dable. 
Yep. I think he would be the perfect hire. I think he resembles a lot of things that Josh Allen does, Herbert does, and I think he could use a lot of that to help Herbert in his next year and make this offense even more dynamic than it already was. But speaking of the Bills, look, I know I've been the big Kansas City's unbeatable, this and that. You know I've been big on the Bills as well all season. I have I picked them to, to lose to Kansas City in the, NFC, in the AFC Championship game. Call me crazy, though. I feel like the Bills are like Kansas City was last year. This is a team that's riding hot into the playoffs. I mean, their last loss was on the Hale-Murray. Other than the Hale-Murray, I mean, their only other losses were literally because of the bad scheduling spot by the NFL because of COVID. I mean, this Bills team has been resilient. They found their defense once they got Milano and White back. This offense is absolutely unstoppable. I mean, they were sitting tons of guys, and they still put 56 up on the Dolphins and looked unstoppable. I feel like the Bills are on fire, and they're the team in the NFL that nobody wants to play. I mean, I think Josh Allen, not only can he do it, but he believes he can do it. I mean, they won their last four games by double digits. It felt like in that 49ers game that he was unstoppable. And I think the funniest thing, too, is he's got that swagger when he's out there on the field now. Like, I remember there was a play where he got tackled, and after the play was over, he fumbled the ball, and they picked it up, tried to act like it was a fumble, and he kind of, like, laughed at him. And you could read his lips call him the guy a dumbass. Like, I feel like Josh (laughs) Allen just got that swagger and everything. I feel like this is a Bills team that's riding hot and confident I don't think anybody wants to face Buffalo and to be honest with you I don't even know if Kansas City wants to face Buffalo at this point well I mean I don't think Kansas City's afraid to play anybody uh they know that everyone's got to go through them um at Arrowhead and and they got the uh poster child the golden arm at uh quarterback so I, I don't think they're scared to play anyone but I do think you're right about the Bills are definitely the hottest team in the NFL specifically the AFC um I wouldn't want to play them, but crazier things happen in the playoffs, right? Um, listen, this defense is rolling. The offense has been rolling basically all season long. Uh, you and I talked about their struggles in the beginning of the year about running the football. I think they've found their balance. Um, I think Moss and um, – blank and help me out. Singletary. Singletary and Josh Allen. I think those three provide enough in the run game for Josh Allen to do his thing through the air. Him and Diggs have been one of the best uh, quarterback-wide receiver duos all season. Um, I'm not going to put them as the best, but they have been one of the best all year long. So I I, I expect the Bills to keep this thing rolling. Um, I definitely do not expect them to lose. I believe they play the Colts in week one. Is that correct? uh, Yeah. Yeah, the playoffs week one. I I would be pretty shocked if the Colts can uh, win this game. Not with that defense, Indianapolis. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Not with the way the Colts' defense has played lately. I actually think that's going to be my over of the week or my total of the week is the over in that game. I like that one a lot. But, hey, it's going to be fun to watch, Ben. And do you, Did we miss out on any storylines? Do you think we hit everything on the head? I mean, there's just more teams adding uh, into the pool of I need a head coach. So we'll just have to see who's available, who um, gets taken off the market first. I think there's a lot of names that are out there that – a lot of teams have the same interest in. Uh, the Chiefs offensive coordinator has about every team interested in them. I think Joe Brady, I think he's got some teams interested in him. Um, by the way, Brian Dabble, uh, Dabble Dable, I should know how to pronounce this because Dable. he was the offense, he was the offensive coordinator at Alabama just a couple years ago, if you remember. Oh, wow. Um, I think Josh McDaniels is definitely about time to, if he can get an opportunity to, if you're ever going to leave New England, why not now, right? They have no quarterback of the future. Mm-hmm. So I think he's a name to keep an eye on. I don't. I mean, I don't know if teams even have interest in him. It's been a long, long time. But there's a lot. I mean, Urban Meyer apparently is thrown into the mix. Apparently, the Jacksonville job he is always hidden. is though. 
Apparently, Jacksonville has offered him the job, and he just hasn't said yes or no yet. I don't know if that's true, but there's just a lot of names to keep an eye out for. Uh, there's no reason to really pay attention to the rumors. Everyone's going to interview the same candidates, and then they'll just pick who they want. Yeah, hey, it's definitely going to be weird to see what happens. Please, Falcons, if you're listening, hire Joe Brady at all costs. I don't care what the cost is. Arthur Blank should have plenty of money to pay the man. Get me Joe Brady in Atlanta. That's all I got to say on that. Um, we'll come back and do NFL awards at the end of the podcast. We'll run down our award winners for MVP and all the stuff like that. Also added a couple of my own awards at the end. But let's switch over here now to the college football playoff. Obviously the biggest games of the season. And let's go ahead and start things out, obviously, with the more competitive game of the two. Actually, I wouldn't say either of these games are competitive, but the bigger game of the two, which was Clemson versus Ohio State. Ohio State absolutely beat the doors off Clemson. This was a game that wasn't close after about middle of the second quarter. Um, ben, what do you think happened in this game that allowed Ohio State to pull away and embarrass Clemson on a national stage? Uh, Justin Fields, uh, plain and simple. Um, showed about one of the toughest performances I've seen in a long time from um, a kid that I don't even know if he's able to drink alcohol yet. Uh, he took some big hits in that game, stayed in every game, stayed in the pocket, made some tremendous deep ball throws. Listen, they stretched the Clemson defense out. They threw, I think, I think they had three separate touchdowns um, on all deep balls throughout the game. They were able to stretch Clemson's secondary out. They were able to have balance in the run game with Trey Sermon stayed hot. I think he's one of the hottest running backs in college football. They played a complete game. Um, you know, I think their defense played – I mean, if you – I mean, Clemson was able to move the ball in the first half but just wasn't able to put up all the points. And as soon as – I mean, Ohio State couldn't be stopped. As soon as they let, uh, opened the floodgates, there was no turning back. Um, Justin Fields was the X factor. He's going to have to be the X factor in the national championship as well. But um, not many running backs in the country. I think the only running back that's playing better football in the country to date is the the other running back, Najee Harris, uh, who's also going to be playing in the national championship game. Those are probably the two hottest running backs in college football. Um, uh, Justin Fields is the X Factor. He took a lot of big hits, like I said, and was able to um, just really stay in the game and make throws. Did it with his leg, did it with his arm, did it with his toughness. Speaking of big hits, do you think Skalski deserved to get, get kicked out for that hit? I feel like after they kicked him out from that, the entire momentum of the game shifted. Um, I mean, he threw, I see the rule where like, you can't throw yourself into someone. I didn't see him head to head though. I thought he had hit him in like the ribs area. He so I, maybe they just called it because he kind of threw himself into him. I didn't love the call personally. Um, that's, that's a big loss for Clemson. It's a big loss for Clemson. It was a big, big loss for Clemson. The signal caller on the defense. That's what I'm saying, and I also feel like Nolan Turner, the fact they didn't have him for the first half, I mean, once you don't have your signal caller on defense and then you don't have your best secondary player out there anymore, I feel like that really shifted the momentum and gave Ohio State what they needed to pull away. Um, I think he hit the nail on the head, though. Trace Sermon emerging in this Ohio State offense over the last three games, I really don't think Master Teague gave them what they needed at running back, and I mean, Master Teague didn't even log a carry in this game. I mean... That just goes to show you how much they were able to change the offense. If Trey Sermon doesn't transfer to Ohio State, I don't know if they end up winning this game, to be honest with you. Um, he turned up 31 carries for 193 yards. I mean, if they didn't call back that one play where he got where he kind of rolled over off the guy and took off, he had 61 yards receiving in the, in the passing game, too. I thought Chris Olave, though, getting him back from COVID really changed things. I didn't realize how much he's going to open things up, but he really opened everything up for Ohio State, but... 
the key to this game was in the trenches, and Ohio State pushed them around the trenches. They don't really have like that Bosa or that um, Chase Young pass rusher, but they absolutely stuck the Clemson run game. Travis Etienne played awful. He had 10 carries for 32 yards. Lawrence had 10 carries for negative 8 yards. I feel like that Clemson run game is huge, and they weren't able to use it. I think their O-line really let them down. And, I mean, if you notice, their two worst games, their offensive line and their running game played were the two losses this season against Notre Dame and against Ohio State here. I mean, they, they Ohio State really kind of forced Clemson to play the game the way they wanted to, which was Clemson dropping back there and throwing. I mean, Lawrence still threw for 400 yards, but is 400 yards too late in that game. Um, ultimately, though, as much as it pains me to say it, I think the better team ended up winning. Ohio State listened to Dabo and, Cle and Clemson talk shit about them all week long, and they took it personally, and they took it absolutely to them and laid the wood to them in this game. I mean, whew, I was embarrassed by Clemson. I think I think this is the exact matchup Ohio State wanted when they started this year. Mm -hmm. um, you can't circle the date because this game was not on the calendar, but I, I believe that internally in Ohio State for Fields and Ryan Day, if they made it to the playoff, they wanted to play Clemson. Um, and they got their revenge. Yeah, I mean, hey, like you said, you know, they had this game circled. This is why they came back and played football. This is what Justin Fields was talking about when he wanted to play college football was so he could come out here and do what he did to Clemson. So shout out to him for handling business on the field. And honestly, I mean, a lot of people, including myself, were kind of doubting Justin Fields a little bit. I wasn't sure if he was worthy of being drafted as high up as he was. He answered every single doubter there. It's going to be a hell of a game for them against Alabama. Speaking of Alabama, the other game we watched was Alabama versus Notre Dame. Just because I know you got a lot you want to say about this one, I'm sure I'll start out a little bit here. First thing I want to say is Notre Dame 110% deserved to be in this game. All these idiots out here saying Oklahoma should have been in this game. Shut your mouth. I mean, Oklahoma could have done nothing better than, I mean, Oklahoma, Iowa State, Oregon, Texas A&M. I mean, we saw what happened to Texas A&M against Alabama. It was like 52-21. to 21. If anything, look. I mean, people were dogging on Notre Dame and everything. I mean, what do you want Notre Dame to try to do? To try to come out and throw the ball and go up and down the field with Alabama? That wasn't ever going to happen for them. I thought Notre Dame played the game smart. I mean, yes, they did lose. Yes, they, I mean, Alabama was in control the whole game. They were never once in, in like, worried about losing. But I thought they played the game smart. They kind of kept Alabama's offense off the field a little bit. They tried to run a lot of plays. I mean, I think the plays were, like, 80 to 50-something. I mean, it was a huge differential. I thought they were played smart, though, you know. They played not to get blown out, and they didn't. I mean, what else did you want them to do? They were able to go up and down the field and get some scores. I mean, they were able to kind of – I think what Ohio State – or what Alabama did to absolutely kill them was they got on the edge. I mean, Devonta Smith murdered them on the edge. I mean, a couple of plays when they were able to get Harris loose in the run game. I mean, that hurdle he had, too, was insane. He jumped over a guy basically standing straight up. <laughs> um, I thought this Alabama offense was humming and everything. And to be honest with you, I thought Alabama kind of packed it in a little bit and was kind of like, okay, we got this one taken care of. We'll see y'all. We'll see whoever in the national championship. Let's get out of here and not get anybody hurt and not give away too much of what we have to do. Thought Bama handled business properly, but ultimately I thought the right four teams were in the were in the playoff. And it was, you know, another fun one to watch the tide roll. Don't think it would have mattered who played Alabama. Uh, any, you can name any college football team, not name in Ohio State, I don't think it would have mattered. I um, think the result would have been the same. There's really only two ways that I personally see being you could, that you can even beat this Alabama team or have a chance. You either have to score every time they do, which I would say there's less than five teams in the country that have an offense to do that. Two of them made the playoff. Uh, Clemson and Ohio State. Florida tried to do that. They just came up a little bit short. 
Um, Notre Dame does not have the explosive, quick scoring that Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Florida had. So I, I think you could tell that their game plan was, we're going to convert as many third downs as we can, but we're going to get to third down. We're going to run as many plays, try and tire them out. And at the end of the day, they didn't. They just couldn't get every opportunity to turn into seven points for them. And unfortunately for them, on the other side of the field was the Alabama offense, which just about every time down the I – mean, I mean, they didn't score 40, 50 points in this game like they have been on everyone else. They, I think they only got 38. Was 38-10 or 38 38- Seven was the final score, something like that. No, it was, I think it was 31-14. It was the first time Alabama had been held under 35 points, I believe, in like three seasons. Yeah, I mean, so like, so what? They didn't put up that many points. I get it, but it, it looked pretty easy when they did score. I don't know if they kind of came off the gas a little bit. I, I don't know. I'm not making an excuse. They won the game. That's all I care about. Um, but Notre Dame did not have a chance in this game. I don't think A&M would have had a chance in this game. I don't think Oklahoma would have had a chance in this game. Um, I just don't think it would have mattered. Um, not even Clemson, honestly. Not the way they played against Ohio State. But, listen, tonight is the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Um, you're going to see Devontae Smith win it. That's pretty easy thing to say. He's like 1-10 to 10 odds to win it. The next best is Mac Jones at 6-1. to one. I mean, listen, when you, when you think about this Alabama team, they just won the – the Joe Moore Award, which is the best offensive line in the country. Uh, Mac Jones won, like, the Johnny Unitas Award, I think, something like that. Devontae Smith's going to win the Blitkoff, if that hasn't been announced. He's going to win the Heisman. He, I mean, it, it, it means nothing if they don't complete this without a ring. But to ask a team that's good, like Notre Dame, but not great, to be able to hang in this team, that's why I don't think it would have mattered. Because any team that's not that any there's every other team A and M Oklahoma Georgia uh, Iowa State any team you want to name they're not great they're good team Alabama is great you are not beating them unless you're a great team so we'll see what Ohio State can do hey I think you hit the nail on the head Ben you know and none of these other teams would have been able to hang with them I mean there's three teams in a tier of their own in college football. And that's just the way the sport is these days, and that's just how how everything happens. And you know why it's like that is because of what Nick Saban does in the offseason, the way he recruits his football team every single year. That's why Alabama is Alabama and what they do. Um, speaking of kind of these big programs, a program that used to be up there with these guys that has fallen off greatly is the Texas Longhorns. They ended up parting ways with head coach Tom Herman after three years and hired um, Alabama offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian. Ben, do you think this is the right move? Oh, this one's tough. Um, I think if you look at if you if you look at his record, his track record, I think the answer is no. I, I do not think he deserved to get fired. But if you're going to fire him, which they're paying him a whole lot of money, I think he's getting fifteen million to get fired. I think his staff as a whole gets twenty four million to pack their bags. So not not a bad gig, right? Um, I think if you're going to fire someone who has actually been somewhat successful, then you better make a splash hire. And I think Sarkeesian fits the category of a splash hire. Um, he is a guy that has, in recruiting, been able to get whoever he wants in terms of the top quarterbacks in the country. Uh, for the people that don't know, Alabama's next quarterback, who's their backup now, Bryce Young, was the number one dual-threat quarterback from California. Steve Sarkeesian has been recruiting this kid since he was like 14 years old. Um, 
he is an offensive-minded guy. He is a quarterback guy. A name to keep uh, – I texted you. Um, like a five-star quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks in the country from the state of Texas, Quinn – I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. Like Ewers or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, was committed to Texas for a long, long time, decommitted before Herman got fired, and went to Ohio State. I guarantee you Steve Sarkeesian's going to do everything in his power to bring this kid back home to Texas – Probably where he belongs. Um, so, I think if you fire Herman, you better have someone in mind and you better get him. I think Texas got the guy that their boosters wanted. Um, do I think it's fair that Herman got fired? No, I do not. But, like I said with Anthony Lynn, life's not fair. Herman should get another job, and, he, and I think he will. Yeah, at the end of the day, if I'm Tom Herman, I'm sitting back, kicking my feet up, doing a little work for ESPN or for – Fox Sports or whoever offers me the most money. Come be an analyst at Alabama. <laughs> that wouldn't be a terrible job either. I mean, shoot, though, if I'm Tom Herman, I'm taking my time, man. I'm waiting until the best job possible opens up. I think that any team in the nation would be lucky to have him. Ben knows how I feel about Tom Herman. I think Tom Herman's a top 10 coach in college football. To be honest with you, look, I think Sarkeesian's a good coach and all. But this was an absolute horrible move. And in no planet is Steve Sarkeesian a better coach than Tom Herman. Simple as that. I mean, just to state facts, Tom Herman has a higher winning percentage than Sarkeesian does by a good bit. Um, I mean, in his first four seasons, Tom Herman had the same winning percentage as Dabo Sweeney, and he had a better bowl record going 4-0 as opposed to Dabo's 2-2. Um, also, too, I mean, I think the main reason they did this, though, is they think Sarkeesian's like Lincoln Riley. I think they think they need to switch it up and have a big, powerful offense. And look, I think Sarkeesian's a good coach. I'm not knocking Steve Sarkeesian. I just simply don't think he's as good as Tom Herman is. I think he should have given Herman more time, let him keep getting in the recruits. I mean, they're about to move on from Sam Ellinger. I can't remember what that quarterback's name is that stepped in for Ellinger. He looked pretty good. Maybe give him a chance. I mean, Ellinger's not that great throwing the ball down the field. He's more of a runner, like a power runner, too. Maybe see what you can do with another guy in there at quarterback. I thought it was a stupid move, though, by Texas. Give it some time. I mean, yeah, you've taken three years, but you got to be patient with these things. You can't just keep on recycling three through coaches. I mean, look at Michigan. They do the exact same thing. You can't just keep recycling these coaches over and over again or else you go from being a blue blood premier pro, um, program to being kind of one of these just whatever who's playing in, you know, maybe a New Year's Six Bowl. I mean, Tom Herman did have a huge win beating Georgia in that BCS and that uh, Sugar Bowl a couple of years back. I mean – if I'm Texas, man, I, I really think y'all made the wrong decision. I think that was foolish to move on from Herman. I would have given him at least two more years. And you said maybe Herman can wait for his dream job. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I have not Googled this right in front of me. I guess I could right now. I believe if you Google Tom Herman's alma mater, I believe it's the University of Texas. Um, I, I think he just got fired from his dream job, if you want me to be honest with you. Hey, but still, I mean, as good of a coach as Tom Herman is, I feel like that Tom Herman can get any job he pretty much wants. I mean, I know that I know I asked uh, some of our Auburn friends um, if that they if that they uh, would get rid of Harson for Tom Herman. They said no, but let's be honest. Yeah, his by the way, it is it is Texas. They're lying through their teeth. I mean, you don't think they don't wish that they could take back hiring Harson and bring in Tom Herman? That's just well, stupid. I mean, you I can't mean, you can't hire him, fire him, then just get Tom Herman. No, I know, uh, it's a bad. I it's a bad look for the university. I mean, who knows? Maybe the USC job opens up in a couple of years. I wouldn't say Clay Hilton's a great coach. Um, Do you think I don't he really know. wants the USC job though? I would say f that. Yes. I mean, if you turn down the job at USC, you're foolish. It's one of the best jobs in the country. 
without a doubt, is one of the best jobs in the country. It is it is one of the best states to recruit in in terms of where football players come out of. It's probably top three. Texas, Florida, California is what I would put. Um, it's the prominent. It, it's when you think of West Coast college football. If you took a poll of a hundred people, eighty percent, ninety percent, you're thinking of USC. It, it is the most famous school out west. It has so much tradition, so much history, so much to the name to it. It is you are so foolish if you don't take that job. You really are. I mean, it's hey, in Los. Man, it's in the heart of Los Angeles. I mean, hey, you made a pretty convincing argument right there. I mean, if they offered me the job, I guess I'd have to take it after listening to all that. Um, yeah, I mean, you, USC would be foolish not to move on from Helen, honestly, and go ahead and offer the job to Herman right now before somebody else scoops him up. Um, anyway, that, let's move back now and get out, get up out of here. I know we've been going for a while. And let's go back to the NFL awards. So, obviously, guys, it was a long NFL season. Fun to watch, very up and down. Also, I forgot to give a shout out at the beginning of the podcast, but shout out to Derrick Henry for becoming the eighth ever uh, two thousand yard rusher. That's a big accomplishment, right there. Um, king, what are you about to say? I said the king. Oh yeah, King Henry. King Henry crowned the king is one of the best running backs. I mean, he's he's putting his name up there as one of the best running backs we've seen. Um, anyway, for NFL awards, we will give y'all who we think should win the awards. I also created two extra awards just because I thought they were kind of fun. Um, anyway, let's start out with the big one out of all of them. Ben, who you got as your NFL MVP? Aaron Rodgers. Um, his numbers are absolutely ridiculous. He's the one seed in his conference. Um, every so-called, what they want to call expert, was blaming the Packers for what they did during the draft, not helping him out. All he did was go 13-3 and or whatever the record is, get the number one seed. Aaron Rodgers is 100% the MVP. I know that you're going to make a case for your boy Josh Allen especially because you have a bet on him. I, I think he's going to come in second. Uh, ah, he might come in third just because it's a popularity contest. They might just put Mahomes second. Josh Allen's had a fantastic year. The answer is Aaron Rodgers, though. Ben, as much as I hate to say it, I have to agree with you here on this one. I mean, Josh Allen did have eight rushing touchdowns, 37 passing touchdowns, over 4,000 yards through the air. I mean, he did all that stuff, but I can't disagree with you here on this one. Give it to Aaron Rodgers. He's been up there so many times in a row. I mean, he's been the runner-up quite a few times. I mean, it's kind of like the LeBron thing. I mean, he he had – I mean, him and Allen pretty much had the two best stats. The difference is he got the one seed in his conference. Allen didn't. I, I can't make an argument to give Josh Allen over him as much as I would love to. Also, I was holding in my in my pocket a uh, – I can't remember what the odds were, but the bet was 25 to win over – it was like 1100 and something dollars on Josh Allen. So that would have been nice if I could have cashed that one, unfortunately. He's gonna finish second in this one. Um, next, let's go to comeback player of the year. Um, this was a tough one for me. I'm I kind of went back and forth between a couple of guys, but at the end of the day, I'm gonna give it to Alex Smith. He ended up getting his team to the playoffs this year. I mean, he was the main reason why this quarterback position was a mess. Kyle Allen couldn't really do much. Um, I mean, Dwayne Haskins, we saw what happened with him, but. Not only did Alex Smith make this offense better and at least get them in the playoffs, but also, too, what he came back from. I mean, this is a guy who almost lost his leg. I mean, he didn't play football for over a year. And the fact that he came back and was able to play at such a high level and take his team to the playoffs, I think it has to be Alex Smith, no doubt about it. I don't really know why this was a difficult decision for you. It's absolutely Alex Smith. Who who else were you thinking about? Um, Big Ben. And the only reason why I would say Big Ben over Alex Smith is because the Steelers had a better record and because they won like the way they did with them. But at the end of the day, I think what Alex Smith came back from is much bigger than what Big Ben did. 
dude, this this award um, has so much more meaning than anything that anyone could ever do on a football field. I, I don't care if the Steelers went undefeated and Big Ben won the MVP. The comeback player of the year is still Alex Smith. What this dude went through is not something any human being should ever have to endure in, in your entire life. Um, the perseverance that he showed, um, I, I really encourage everyone to go find the E60 that Alex Smith um, that was on. I mean, it's insane what he went through. And the fact that he was able to come back and not only just play, but get his team to the playoffs. I mean, this is – it's a unanimous decision. Um, I, I seriously think if you asked every single player – and coach in the NFL, I, I think you would get a unanimous answer to be Alex Smith. Hey, you made a pretty convincing argument right there, Ben. Nothing I can say against that. We both agree. So far, we both agreed on both of them. This one right here, though, I know we're going to get some disagreement on. Who you got as your defensive player of the year? Yeah, so I actually have two guys in mind. I'm only going to give it to one. And I don't think my two guys are either of your one guy. Um, the winner of this award to me is TJ Watt. Leader in the league in sacks, leader in the league in tackles for losses, leader in the league in uh, pressures. The dude just does it all. Absolutely does it all for one of the best defenses in the NFL. But I want to—I have to shout out. I know that I, I have a feeling you—you are going to mention Aaron Donald. So I don't want to mention him. I want to give a shout out to Xavier Howard. Um, Ten interceptions for the Dolphins. And by the way, this Dolphins defense forced a turnover in every single game this season. That is so hard to do. Ten interceptions for Xavier Howard is unheard of. Um, so I want to shout out him, but my winner of the Defensive Player of the Year is T.J. Watt. You made a convincing argument there, Ben, but I'm going to have to go with Aaron Donald, man. I mean, Aaron Donald did finish second in sacks to him. Listen to this, though. Last four seasons, most total pressures. 2017, Aaron Donald, 91. 2018, Aaron Donald, 106. 2019, he didn't get it. 2020, Aaron Donald did actually end up with the most total pressures at 98 this season. Oh, he okay, so he he won. Okay, yeah, that was the only that was the only one he got him at. But look, I would argue that with how bad Jared Goff is and just how bad in general that that Goff plays, the, Aaron Donald is the one that takes this Rams defense next level. He's the one that opens everything up for the rest of this team. He's the reason why this team wins. I mean, if you could give MVP to a defensive player, it would be Aaron Donald. I mean, I would argue he should be top five in the MVP race. That's how damn good Aaron Donald is in the trenches. I feel like that they just got to give him this award, man. I mean, he's the best defensive player in the NFL. He's the true game changer. You practically have to triple team him in order to stop him. I just don't see how you can't give it to him. I mean, he's like LeBron, though. You can give it to him every single year. He's the best defensive player every single year. Yeah, it kind of feels like the same way it was with TJ Watt, you know, or I mean, with JJ Watt, TJ's brother. But hey, it should be a tight one. That's the one, I'd say that's the most like toss up so far out of the awards. I really think that one can go either way between the two of them. So can't go wrong with either of those. This award as well, right here, that we're going to talk about next, I think also is kind of a toss up. Um, ben, who do you have as your coach of the year? Sean McDermott. Buffalo Bills. Um, this one wasn't that hard for me. I thought this one was a little going to be a little bit harder, but what he's been able to do with this team over the years uh, has he won? Did he win this last year? I don't think he did, right? No, he. I know he didn't win it last year. I can't remember who it was though. I'll right, so I, I think it's definitely the time to give it to him now. I mean, they're the two seed. Uh, they finally won their division, which I don't remember how many years it had been, but it's been a long time. Because Brady and Belichick dominated, so. I think it's Sean McDermott. I think it's pretty easy. 
Yeah, it was actually Harbaugh last year, so he didn't win it last year. Um, McDermott was my second guy, and I like your point with the fact that he kind of took the division away from Brady and Belichick. That's a big breakthrough to win a division that's been dominated for so long, but I'm going to go with Kevin Stefanski. This Browns team has been awful one. for so long. He loses Odell Beckham at the beginning of the year. I mean, he did a hell of a job coaching this team, even down to the end of the season. They had to fight through some COVID issues and everything. I thought he did such a good job, man, bringing this Browns team to the to the uh, playoffs. And, I mean, he really schemed everything up for Baker Mayfield so well, changed the way this entire offense worked. I mean, he got the run game going like none other in the league. I just feel like Stefanski deserves it for breaking through and doing something that we haven't seen the Browns do in a long, long, long time. That's a good pick. Definitely, and he's definitely deserving of it. Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying with McDermott. I think these two guys, though, by far are the most deserving. I think if it's not one of those two, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Um, next one up, maybe here. maybe the pack maybe the Packers coach, Lafleur. Lafleur, yeah, that's that's also not a bad one either. Getting the number one seed, I just feel like though, like kind of like you said, I mean, the Packers have been good for a while. I feel like you got to give it to one of the two guys who kind of helped their team break through and make the jump they've been waiting to make for so long. Um, next one up here is the Offensive Rookie of the Year. I'll start off with this one. This one's a decent race here, but I'm going to go with Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson had over 1,100 yards receiving this season, came in as a rookie from LSU. I mean, he really helped his Vikings offense out a lot and made them a lot more dynamic. He was the perfect replacement for Stephon Diggs, and, I mean, he really stepped in to become the number one receiver. He looks like he's going to be one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. I just feel like with how good he was catching the ball and everything downfield and how the Vikings were actually in the playoff race. I think you got to give it to Jefferson because, I mean, when this team turned around was when Jefferson started going off on offense. I'm in agreement with you here. Um, I would give it to Justin Jefferson. Um, listen, he's not even the number one target on his team, and he put up this these monster numbers this year. Um, everyone knows Adam Thielen is uh, Kirk Cousins' favorite target. It's probably why they even pushed out Stephon Diggs, so – the fact that he was able to put these numbers up, break I think he broke like Randy Moss's record. He broke yep. he, broke, he just broke so many records as a rookie. He came in and just dominated. Um, I would give it to Justin Jefferson as well. Yeah, and the crazy thing is too, he didn't do anything for like the first four weeks of the season. He had like barely two hundred yards combined through the first four weeks of the season, so he was balling after that point. Um, last real award we have here is the defensive rookie of the year. I assume we have the same player for this one. Ben, who you got? I have two guys. I'm kind of torn between them. So let's let's hear yours first. I went with the obvious one here. I went with Chase Young. I just feel like okay. that this defense is only that the Redskins team or the Washington football team. Sorry about that if I offended anyone. Is only good because of the defense. And I feel like Chase Young just kind of made the breakthrough as a rookie pass rusher. He was able to get in there, get a lot of sacks. He had a fumble return for a touchdown. I mean, had some other forced fumbles and everything. I just feel like Chase Young, man, is a monster. I think he's arguably already one of the best pass rushers in the league. I'd go ahead and give him the award. Um, so that that's my main winner. Um, but I'm going to make an argument for another guy just, just so we can give the listeners just uh, another shout-out to another player. Chase mm-hmm. Young is absolutely deserving of this award. But I want to give a shout-out to um, Anton Whitfield Jr. of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Versatile safety. Comes down, play linebacker, play slot corner occasionally. Just really does it all. Um, he's a kid out of Minnesota. Listen, if you watch a Bucks game, he's everywhere on the field. Everywhere. He kind of plays like Tyron Matthew, that kind of style of football. He's a smaller safety, but he, he comes down to play linebacker. I don't know the stats off the top of his head because Chase because I didn't look him up because Chase Young is my main winner. But 
I think Winfield Jr. should get some respect in this. Um, he's is he the best defense on? Sorry, is he the best? Is he the best player on his defense? No, but he helped the secondary out tremendously as the season went on, and um, just a versatile player kind of does it all for them. So I think Chase Young is going to win it, but I do think Winfield Jr. had a tremendous year. Um, yeah, I, I actually was thinking you're gonna say him who's the other corner who had a great season too i can't remember the other corner is either a corner or a safety i remember there's another one i saw it earlier on a pro football focus when i was looking at their kind of end of the not year. sure who was it i'm not sure yeah that's what i'm saying i can't remember who it is either but whitfield's a good choice that was who i thought you were going to end up going with anyway um Let's go ahead now with the two kind of awards I made up. I just wanted to shed spotlight on a couple other players who had great seasons. Let's go with our running back of the year. I assume we both have the same guy here. There's not really any debate. Ben, do you have Derrick Henry? I do. Um, I think it is somewhat of a debate, though. Um, not not like a big debate. I think everyone would pretty much say Derrick Henry. I think Alvin Kamara deserves a ton of love. Um, I know that he his rushing numbers might not be – He's not he's not a running back. He's versatile. He he does everything. Mm-hmm. He does so much in the pass game. He does so much in the run game. He he just does it all. And I, I don't really I think people consider him a top five back in the league. If they don't, I'd really love to hear their list. I just feel like he deserves a little bit more respect than maybe he's getting. So I think Derrick Henry obviously deserves the best running back award if that was a thing, because he just got two thousand yards. I mean he I, eighth player to ever do that you know but i think alvin kamara does deserve a lot of love wow so i actually see i have henry for sure i would had Dal. i wanted to pick dalvin cook but i couldn't be biased i had to go with him but my only argument against kamara would be the fact he didn't break a thousand yards yeah he ended up missing one game but i mean dalvin cook missed two games and still had over 1500 rush yards which is but he gets pretty- but he gets the catches he gets he gets a, what's his reception numbers compared to like cook like, I know Cook um, gets some catches, but, like, if I had to guess off the top of my head, Kamara probably has more, but maybe I'm wrong. I mean, shoot, you're right. Kamara had 83 receptions for 756 yards and five touchdowns. I don't know what Cook's is, but I know it's not even close to that. Right, and if you look at Kamara's receiving number, reception numbers over the last couple of years, they're always high for a running back. So, he, he's yes. just versatile. I don't think he – I think people, when they just think of running backs, they don't think of him because he's so much more than a running back. And you can't just spotlight him like we do Christian McCaffrey, who's another guy that does it all, um, or Saquon, because th- those teams suck. The Giants, when Saquon was playing, he didn't play this year. The Giants' offense sucked. The Panthers suck. As Since Christian McCaffrey's been there, they've sucked. The Saints do not suck with or without Kamara. There's a lot of talent on the Saints' team, specifically with Drew Brees at quarterback. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback, so it's hard to get the love. And then their wide receiver just won MVP last year, so... It's, it's hard to spread the love on the Saints. I just feel like Kamara doesn't get enough of it. But Derrick Henry is definitely the best running back in the NFL. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, I mean, he is he's had over 80 receptions in his last three years. By the way, Dalvin only had 44 for, like, a little over 400 yards and some change. So, definitely in agreement with you there on that one. King Henry ran away with that one. Uh, go ahead and crown the king as the rushing champion. Um, last award here before we let y'all get out of here. Wide receiver of the year. Who do you have, Ben? Devontae Adams. It's plain and simple. If you don't have Devontae Adams, I need to hear your answer and why. 
Um, yeah, I got Devontae Adams here. Man. I mean, <laughs> there's I no mean, other. Look, answer. I wanted to give Stefan Diggs some love, but <laughs> I know, De- I know, but there's no other answer than Devontae. Adams. That's what I'm saying. I mean, Devontae Adams missed was it two or three games? I'm looking it up r- right now as we speak, but he missed a couple games. Still had 18 touchdown receptions. So he played 14 games this season, still at 18 touchdown receptions, 1,374 yards. He finished fifth in the league in receiving yards, obviously first in receiving touchdowns. There's no way not to give it to him. I mean, I know that the Bills' other receivers may not be great, but Cole Beasley's been a veteran for a long, long time. At the end of the day, the other Packers receivers, I don't think in terms of if you ask a lot of people around the NFL if they can – you know, outside of the fantasy football players, like I don't think people consider Alan Lazard or Vantless Scantling big name people. Um, obviously, he's playing with Aaron Rodgers, who's maybe the most talented player to ever play the position. Maybe Mahomes is going to pass him one day, but I, I don't know. I mean, what Devontae Adams has done w- with Aaron Rodgers is abs- absurd numbers. No one can stop this guy. Not yet, at least. We'll see if he can. T- it, we'll see if he can continue it in the playoffs. Yep, I agree with you completely on that one, Ben. Um, for those of y'all wondering, big, tune in Friday, big show. We got we're gonna break down all the first round NFL matchups for y'all. Pick them as we always do. We'll obviously recap our last couple picks as well, and we're also gonna do the national championship game on there as well for you guys. Um, tune in tonight, watch Devonta Smith go ahead and win his Heisman Trophy. But we appreciate everyone who tuned in, and as always, Ben, I appreciate you coming on once again. We had another great episode. Yes, sir. Roll Tide. Hey, Roll Tide for me as well, guys. Got to love all the all the um, cash that Alabama helps me make every single season. Um, anyway, like I said, we appreciate everyone who tuned in, and we'll see you all again soon.